0: Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by the one and only Wes Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field West. It's Friday, our final show of the week as Packers-Seahawks, the NFC Divisional Playoff, Sunday, 5.40 p.m. Central Time kickoff at Lambeau Field, is almost upon us, and we will definitely get to our end of the week keys to victory a little bit later. But I want to touch on a couple of other subjects first. One, we spent a lot of this week talking about the young guys on this Packers roster who are going to be making their playoff debuts and the messages they've gotten from the veteran players about how to handle the emotions, about how to just have the right perspective coming into a, a new situation, so to speak. But we've also heard from these same veterans talking about guys like Aaron Rodgers and Brian Balaga and Tremont Williams about how special this opportunity here is where the Packers went 13-3, and got a first-round bye, you've put yourself two games from a Super Bowl, you're getting at least one of those here at home against the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, they really do have an appreciation for just how special this chance is, and they don't want to let it go.
1: And I love the fact that I wrote about this on Packers.com for one of our stories this week. What I love is they all have three very different stories when you look at Rodgers, Balaga, and Tremont Williams. Yeah. Starting off with Tremont, this is a guy that left for five years. Uh, We talked so much about the NFC Championship game and how that game ended, and it's funny, he was asked the question again this week, if that moment sticks with them, the end of that game sticks with them, at all. He said, it doesn't stick with me at all. Because if you understand anything about Tremont Williams, one, he's played over 200 NFL games at this point. <laughs> yeah. But more than that, I mean, he went and had another career, basically. He went and was in Cleveland for two years. He was in Arizona. After it almost looked like maybe that was going to be the end. Yeah. Cle- yeah, he might be him. on
0: his way out. But... And
1: he comes back to Green Bay, and it's been two seasons with Green Bay, and now he's back in the postseason. And he said this week, that it's an opportunity not just to avenge something from 2014, but it's giving him a chance to write a different ending to his time in Green Bay. That means the world to him. It means it to, you know for him to be 36 years old and still playing at the high level that he is, uh, that, that's an incredible accomplishment. Balaga, here's a guy that was the youngest player in NFL history to start a Super Bowl at 21 years old and nine months or whatever it was yeah. at right tackle. And now here he is in year 10, one of the most veteran players on this team and getting a chance to get back into a run and I remember asking him this after Miami or Minnesota, excuse me, and the question was asked again of him this week, what that two years, how you just appreciate things a little bit more when you've gone to the playoffs seven years in a row or whatever it was and then suddenly you don't go for two years. That's that's an incredible thing to be able to have this opportunity again. It really speaks to him and his leadership and how he's approached this thing to be able to do it.
0: Interesting slip of the tongue you had there, saying Miami Miami. instead of Minnesota. By the way, I just thought I'd throw that in. There's a little
1: bit of a yeah, it's a little bit of a Freudian slip. Remember that one if things go that way in a couple weeks here. Yeah,
0: well, and with regard to Aaron Rodgers too, he had he had some very interesting comments at his locker after Wednesday's practice, and one of those that obviously stood out was he was asked about you okay here you know. Been out of the playoffs for a couple years, you're back in the postseason, a chance to get to a second Super Bowl. Everybody talks about the legacy and all that, especially with a guy who's built a Hall of Fame career to this point. And uh he was asked, Well, how much is how much is that second Super Bowl, a second championship, on your mind? And he said, It's on my mind every day. You know, I mean, and he's just he was just being honest. Now, in saying that, he's not saying it, it's it's like an overwhelming thought or anything like that. Like it doesn't it it's not a burden or it doesn't drag him down, so to speak. But it just speaks to when an opportunity like this comes along, how much that how much that is top of mind for a player like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he knows he knows as well as anybody that a second Super Bowl as a quarterback puts you in a different category yeah. from so many other quarterbacks who who have that ring and he's obviously got one he's looking for number 2 and he knows this this is a diff, this is a different team he hasn't had to be mvp quarterback Aaron right. Rodgers for the packers to go 13 and 3 and he's also been fine with that he's when he talks about accepting the roles and everything he's done that himself as well now that being said we all know if, if Aaron Rodgers can find a little bit of that MVP magic that we saw back in 2011, back in 2014, seasons like that, that could go a long way here for the Packers in, in the month of January, and uh, and we'll just have to see if he can if he can summon it because he could make this really special.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and so many points that you make there are incredibly valid and true. And, and I go back to a couple things with Rodgers because when you cover this team long enough – You remember Aaron Rodgers at 29 years old. Um, Certainly you remember him at 27 when he won a Super Bowl. And the perspective that those years have given him, I I always, it's funny because we talk so much about beast mode, right, with Marshawn Lynch. There's a zen mode with Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. that I've noticed over the years. And more often than not, when he's in that kind of really deep reflection, he starts playing some of his best ball. And I think it's just that overall awareness, and and he's not going to get too high or too low. He's going to understand what's in front of him and what the team must accomplish to get to their goals. And he's very in tune with the fact that two more wins here gets him back to a Super Bowl, gets this team back to a Super Bowl, and a chance to compete for the biggest prize of them all. So they're not really too concerned right now what's happened or what the stats are. As Rodgers said, at this point in your career, when you get to my age and when you're sitting in this chair, you just want to win championships. That's the the thing that he's looking to put up on the shelf right now, and he has a great opportunity to do it with this roster. You've heard him, and it was right there. He was sitting next to Larry McCarron in the studio a couple days ago, outlying this year and what has made this team special. Yeah, Rodgers has said countless times, this is one of the most fun seasons he's had, uh, just based on the way that this team has come together, whether it was your Mercedes Lewis's or your Alan Lazard's who come out of nowhere to become a big part of this roster. Those relationships and, and personalities that that really goes a long way for a football team, and realistically, Mike, all it takes is one game to find your stroke, to find where you are and what you want to do, and I just I feel I get this feeling going into this game that we're just gonna see the best version of Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yeah, well, that that would really be that would really be something because as we've talked about. The Packers' defense kind of reestablishing itself down the stretch. The special teams finding a return game late in the season. The Packers offense, as I wrote about last week, has been on the verge so many times in the last month, crossing the 50-yard line but not coming away with points, been on the verge of putting up so many more points on the board that if they can take that extra step, that's what you're looking for from this Packers offense in the month of January.
1: In the big line that Rodgers said, it was to Larry, is that whatever it takes, I'm willing to do for this team to win. And I'm not saying that's going to go on a t-shirt or end up above his locker in seashells or anything like Relax did, but... (laughs) it is that is this team it's whatever it takes to get that win and they've done it all season long this is a supreme test that they have on sunday seattle's won a lot of the games a very similar way but there's a confidence there when you've done it the way they've done it all year that you know what we can do it again
0: yeah well one other topic i want to touch on before we get to keys to victory and i promise that we will get there but in the midst of all of the playoff hoopla this week and the divisional game being here in green bay and on the horizon, first time in five years, the Packers are hosting this round of the playoffs. We've actually neglected to discuss another big piece of news, which is that former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy's been hired by Jerry Jones to coach the Dallas Cowboys, and um, a move that I that seemed to happen very quickly, very quickly uh, yeah. over the weekend and then was announced uh, a little bit earlier this week and made official by Dallas and Mike McCarthy getting a five-year contract. First of all, congratulations. Hats off to Mike McCarthy. I wish him well. I'm really glad he's getting another opportunity to coach in the NFL. I think we knew that this would, uh, this would happen, and uh, I'm really, really interested to to watch him work from afar with a team that is that's in good shape, a roster that's in very good shape, and and the expectations to move forward quickly are there. What are your thoughts on uh, on McCarthy landing the job in Dallas?
1: Without a shadow of a doubt, he landed the best free the opening in terms of oh, the yeah. coaching position. No I, question about it. I think it. when you when you walk into a situation, you know, much like Matt Lafleur did last year, where you have the quarterback in place and you have the running back in place and a lot of talent around those two players. Uh, good things can happen. And I think you can even see and just listen to him talk at his news conference how energized he is to work with a young quarterback, again, like Dak Prescott, in trying to help him, you know, ascend to that next level that I think a lot of people feel like he has that potential to actually accomplish. And then for him, you know, he was here for as long as he was and accomplished so much in Green Bay. And I think as years wear on, more and more people will appreciate those accomplishments because there was a lot of winning that happened in the 2010s, and McCarthy had a lot to do with that. Yeah. For him to get another chance with another iconic franchise, I think it's a tremendous opportunity for him and their family. You could tell how much it meant to him. So to me, to be able to, to get another shot at this, I, I think it's going to be really cool. And as I tweeted afterwards and my congratulations to him, the National Football League is much better with Mike McCarthy coaching in it, so it's, it's no good to see him back it. here and interested to see what he puts together for a staff.
0: Well, a couple of things that I think are pretty cool. One is that with the change that's gone on in the NFC East, that division now has three coaches who have been to Super Bowls with Ron Rivera, taking over Washington, Mike McCarthy taking over in Dallas and then obviously Doug Peterson who won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia. So suddenly there's a powerhouse lineup of coaches in the NFC East, which was you know considered essentially the worst division yeah. in football in 2019. So that's very interesting. The other thing, and I was I had this conversation briefly with Rob Domovsky this week from ESPN uh, who you and I have both known for a long time. We both worked with him in previous places in our careers. You know, how many guys get the opportunity to manage the Yankees and the Dodgers or to coach the Lakers and the Celtics? I mean, Mike McCarthy has coached the Packers and now he's gonna coach the Cowboys. I mean, this this is this is really, really unique in history, I think. It's a tribute to him and the presence that he commands and his accomplishments and the demand that there is out there for a coach of his of his caliber and Jerry Jones saying he felt it was just very fortuitous that a coach like McCarthy was available at this moment for the Dallas Cowboys with where their team is. But when you think about, as you said, iconic franchises, the fact that Mike McCarthy now in his career is going to have coached the Packers and the Cowboys. I just think that's really cool. It
1: is. It's really cool. And again, it doesn't happen every day because even some of the great coaches who have come through and have had success, one or two of those stops might not have been really seen as like high-profile jobs. I mean, these are two of the best, if not the best, jobs in football right now. Uh, When you look at the opportunity, the resources, and obviously the history of both of those franchises, To your first point, I agree with you, too. It's very interesting to see what's happened with the NFC East. Yeah, It reminds me a lot of when Joe Gibbs came out of retirement to go back to Washington, and you had Gibbs, you had Tom Coughlin, you had Andy Reid, and then Wade Phillips, I believe at the time, was the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That's right, yeah. So to see kind of those powerhouse sort of coaches go in there, obviously Joe Judge is... Is kind of unproven at this point. But yeah,
0: he's the he's the new kid on the block, right. so to speak. Yeah,
1: but uh, but I think there is a lot of star power there, and obviously they're trying to pull that division back up because I think everybody can pretty much agree. it was the poorest division in 2019, and you know they want to you know get it back up to what they feel is a higher level.
0: Yeah, and we'll see. It may not take long with those guys in charge yeah. of uh, of those franchises. Um, all right, well, Packers Seahawks is almost upon us here, Wes, and we do need to. Just To discuss keys to victory. I know we touched on a lot of different angles with regards to this matchup throughout the course of the week. So as far as what's it going to take for the Packers to win this game and advance to the NFC Championship, where do you start?
1: I'm going to start on the ground, Mike. It was the first column that I wrote this week with Inbox. It has to start on the ground. You have to get Aaron Jones going and Jamal Williams going. It's not optional this week. I just think when you look at the real – there's so many statistics – that are so similar between these two teams, Mm -hmm. except when you look at the ground games right now. Marshawn Lynch is an incredibly accomplished running back. He has some questions to answer after not playing football for the better part of the last year. Travis Homer, same thing, being a six-round rookie. On the other side here, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have been the Belco backs for this team for three years now. Aaron Jones had a career-defining season. Jamal Williams has played very well when he's had his opportunities as well. Packers are 7-0 this season. They are undefeated when either of those guys goes over 100 yards rushing. You need to be able to establish that to win this football game because it's not just about the ground game. It's not just about what the weather might be like on Sunday. It's also the consideration of game management and time management. I feel like this is a game in which possessions are going to be at a premium and you want to protect the football. If those two guys produce and do just that in protecting the football – I feel pretty strongly that the Packers stand to win this ballgame.
0: Yeah, I have certainly no argument with that as a top priority and a key to victory. You went back to something you said at the beginning of the week, so I'm going to do the same thing. I remember sitting on my couch working on the Monday Insider Inbox after right after the Seattle-Philadelphia game finished up on Sunday. And, of course, the questions are coming in. Okay, what's it going to take for the Packers to beat the Seahawks? What do they have to focus on? And I sort of just... Off the top of my head, jokingly said, You know, these are my ABCs, and I'm going to call them the WMCs of this game, and that's Wilson, Metcalf, and Clowney. To me, those are the three guys that you have to focus on if you're the Packers in order to come out victorious here. With Russell Wilson, it's the obvious. You can't let him. Or not necessarily can't let him, but you have to be ready for him to extend plays. You have to be ready to defend plays for 8, 9, 10, 11 seconds, if that's what it takes. And you can't let him just take off and scramble for 15, 20 yards of crack, because right. those are back-breaking type of plays. DK Metcalf, he... Single handedly almost wrecked the Philadelphia Eagles' season. He had the long touchdown that gave the Eagles the two score lead, or I mean, gave the Seahawks the two score lead over the Eagles in the second half. And then he had the big third down catch at the end of the game that salted it away. 160 yards receiving for a rookie in his first playoff game. DK Metcalf is coming into Lambeau Field riding high and with all kinds of comp- confidence for a young player. And then you saw what Jadavian Clowney has done in some big games for the Seahawks. We talked about the uh, overtime win on Monday Night Football against San Francisco about a month or a month and a half ago, and then you saw what Clowney was doing against the Philadelphia Eagles. Packers have to get this guy blocked. They have to limit his impact in the game. Those are the three guys to me that this, this entire game revolves around. As much as I agree with you about Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and obviously we'd love to see Aaron Rodgers find some of his past magic and all of that that we've talked about. Those are the three guys for Seattle. If we're not talking so much about those guys on Monday, then I think we're talking about a Packers victory.
1: Exactly, and that's the thing that's a credit to Russell Wilson. It's one he's, he's one of the. It's the reason why he's one of the absolute best from his era right now at quarterback. Yeah. Is because when the chips are down and you lose players and there's injuries and you have to work through things, he finds ways to make guys stars, and I think you've seen that with D.K. Metcalf, a guy that was, as I've said before, I mean, was as scrutinized as any prospect as I can remember coming out. Everybody tried to pick this guy apart. John Snyder, Pete Carroll, and eventually Russell Wilson said, you know what, this guy can play football and he can help us, and I think you've seen him in certain points of this season, including that game against the Eagles, really be able to dominate. You cannot let him do that. If you eliminate those explosive plays that Philly couldn't, I think that's where things can get really difficult on Russell Wilson. Him and Tyler Lockett, Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, those are 1A and 1B in terms of where I think the attention needs to be pointed towards. The more you stop the run, the more you pressure Wilson from up front, all of that factors into making sure it's a long afternoon for him. But at any given time, he can scramble out, he can extend a play, and he can find a receiver for a deep gain you have to plaster the coverage you have to be on top of that you have to make sure that the safety coverage is where you need it to be to make sure that Wilson doesn't have that avenue to escape
0: well and i think explosive plays become such a big part of this and all you have to do is look back at last weekend in you know wildcard weekend The only way the New Orleans Saints were even in that game in the first half with the Minnesota Vikings was because of one big play that they hit when Taysom Hill fired the 50-yard pass down the field. How did the Vikings end up pulling it out in overtime? The big pass down the field to Adam Thielen that the Saints couldn't stop it. It ended their season, right? I already mentioned the big plays DK Metcalf made against the Eagles in the other NFC wildcard game. Defensively, if you limit explosive plays and make teams go the hard way, make them take the long way down the field. You know, and you've talked about this as well. The way the way the Packers have defended in the red zone this year, you like your chances to yes. keep to keep that point total low if you're not giving up the big chunks of yardage.
1: Yeah, and that's where and it goes back to something Dom Capers always talked about too. The more plays you force an offense to to actually go to score a touchdown that's more opportunities to take away the football and it's more opportunities to stop a drive if yeah. you don't have those big chunk yardage. There's a big reason why he always talked about, too, with defensive penalties and an unnecessary roughness. Those 15 yards go a long way in upping the percentage chance of that team scoring offensively. Yep. If you're able to not only make them go the long way, which the Packers have at times, and it's one of the reasons why I feel like their defensive backs doubled their interceptions from 7 a year ago to 14 this year and whatever ended up being, 18, 17, 18 as an entire defense, It was making sure that they don't have those easy big play chunk yardage to set up touchdowns, and then, okay, if they do get into the red zone, how do you respond in those moments? How do you defend the short field? Packers were as good as anybody in the league at that this year, especially responding responding to adversity defensive situations. So all that has to hold true because defensively in the red zone, Packers hold a huge advantage statistically over the Seattle Seahawks. They have to maintain that.
0: Yeah, if the game comes down to between the 20s and if you hold true to how you played in the regular season, the Packers definitely have the edge there. And as far as explosive plays, the last month of the season, with the exception of the first half in Detroit, when Detroit hit the Packers on a few big ones, other than that first half in Detroit, the last four or five games of the regular season, the Packers defense really did clamp down on the big plays. They weren't letting those get away from them. So um, before we go, we do have to talk about the other games, because this is going to be one heck of a weekend of yeah. NFL football, much like last weekend was. We'll start in the AFC on Saturday night, the Tennessee Titans and Beast Mode 2, maybe, in uh, Derrick Henry, that guy is a load, man. I'm telling yeah. you, he's he's taking his Tennessee Titans in that ground game into Baltimore to face Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offense. What do you think of that one?
1: It's funny, for a game with Lamar Jackson, I actually don't think he's the number one key to victory in this. I think ultimately any chance that the Titans have to win this game depends on whether or not Derrick Henry cannot be tackled within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Right. Because the New England Patriots couldn't do that. Despite everything that their statistics said this this year and how they defended the run, they couldn't get him down within four or five yards of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they couldn't stop him. And once the Titans finally just started dedicating themselves to that, even though they didn't score a, a bevy of points, they just were able to get the production they needed to seal that. Yeah, thing. and they
0: were li- they were limiting Tom Brady's yeah. opportunities by simply ball control and pounding that run and wearing out New England's defense as the game went along. Yeah,
1: this is what I refer to as the Larry Johnson game plan. I just feel like this guy <laughs> has to have 35, 36 carries again for the Titans to be able to win this, because otherwise the Baltimore Ravens have so many different ways they can beat you. You know my feelings on the Titans defense. yeah, Very strong. I like it across the board. Very balanced. But Lamar Jackson stresses you in ways that no other team stresses you. And then by the way, once you cue in on him, well then that's when you have Mark Ingram and everything that they do with the rest of their running backs. It's a really difficult offense to stop for four quarters. Can the Tennessee Titans, with the structure of their offense right now, keep pace with that? It's a big question. Yeah,
0: I think it is a very big question. And when you talk about trying to keep pace, I think the same question arises with regards to the Houston Texans going to Arrowhead Stadium to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, that Kansas City offense, you know they are capable of putting up 40, 40-plus 40 at any given time. The Houston Texans got off to a terrible start in the wild card game. They rallied with a huge second half. They were able to stay alive with an overtime victory what do you think here of Houston going to KC?
1: I think KC needs to win this
0: game, uh,
1: and, and I know that sounds obvious because it's you know a chance to get to the AFC title game, but I think there's a real feeling that this is a team that has been special. They have arguably the, the league's most complete young passer right now when you just factor in the, the air raid style that Mahomes came from yeah. and how that is translated and how Andy Reid has effectively built an offense around that at the NFL level. But they need to take that next step. And to do that, they're going to have to beat the Baltimore Ravens, likely. And to get that opportunity, you have to be able to take care of business against the Houston Texans. Texans were really up and down against Buffalo. I, I wanted to see them be a little bit more consistent in all three phases. They didn't do that. Yeah, it was and, a very
0: erratic game it, uh, for, for both yeah, teams. Frankly. For
1: both teams. But if you yeah. have that kind of uh, erratic behavior against Kansas City, they're going to make you pay. Their defense is better this year. Their offense, I think, with Mahomes at the wheel is as difficult to stop as any in the league i I just feel like kansas city they need to hold serve here they need to be able to defend their home field and then have that matchup likely against baltimore and heck if tennessee wins then you should run this thing all the way but i just feel like the way that kansas city's been built this is their time
0: yeah i think uh The AFC for a while now, and about halfway through the season when Patrick Mahomes was injured, it was really looking like New England and Baltimore was going to be the AFC championship. But then as the, the Patriots offense kind of fell off a cliff at the end of the year, Mahomes came back and Kansas City kind of found its mojo again. I think now for the last month or so, the AFC has been pointing to Baltimore and Kansas City playing for a spot in the Super Bowl. So I think that's where we are headed here.
1: And I think that's why I bring up Kansas City when I say it's their time, because the Patriots are finally out of this thing. Yeah, This is your your gateway here. You need to go through Baltimore to do it. But th- there is no Tom Brady magic this offseason, or this, this, this postseason. Postseason, yeah, yeah. It's Baltimore and it's Kansas City. Those two teams have, through that 16-game regular season litmus test, they have defined themselves as the best teams in the AFC. Need to prove it. Yeah.
0: Well, the first game of divisional weekend will be the other one that has obviously The implications for the Packers, the Minnesota Vikings going on the road late Saturday afternoon, they will take on the San Francisco 49ers. We know the logistics, Wes. If the Vikings win, then the winner of Packers Seahawks is going to be hosting the NFC Championship game. If the 49ers win, the winner of Packers Seahawks is going to Santa Clara, California next week for the NFC Championship game. So some weird things going on in Minnesota this week. Stefan Diggs misses practice with an illness. Adam Thielen gets his ankle cut up by a cleat or something yeah. and has to have stitches. Just some weird stuff, and the Vikings are on a short week coming off of an overtime, a big emotional win. The 49ers have been sitting back they got their guys rested they're getting Quan Alexander back on their defense which I think could be significant here what do you think of this matchup cuz th- this other than obviously Packers Seahawks which we've been which we are so focused on this is the one to me that of the other 3 games that's the most intriguing
1: oh it definitely is because now you got the Minnesota Vikings as everybody's underdog here <laughs> trying to make a run at this thing and for as bizarre as their season has been what else would you expect this week going into the <laughs> NFC Divisional playoff game in Santa Clara? Right. This is exactly the way this thing was going to play <laughs> out for them. So for that reason, I, there's nothing on paper that suggests the Minnesota Vikings should win this game, for all the reasons that you just pointed out, and right. the fact that San Francisco is really healthy, back to being healthier. But there was no, they had no business winning last week in the Superdome, at least the outside perception. Yeah. So I don't know why, but like – Anything can happen in the playoffs. Yep. I just feel like Mike Zimmer's team, for his high expectations they had during some of these postseason runs, I think there's just a little bit of freedom now that it's just nobody's expecting anything from us. Let's go out there and let's shove it in their face, right? So, I can't wait to watch it. I think it's going to be a great game. I love the way that Kyle Shanahan plays offense. I love the way that they play to their strengths offensively. But ultimately, if you're going to pick a victor in this thing, I think it comes down to Robert Salah's defense. And if they are able to up front with those 6 foot 7 tackles right in the middle of that defense stop Del- Delvin, Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook, yep. That's that's the path here for the 49ers to get to an NFC title game.
0: Well, I think if if there's if there's any defensive coach in the league who on a short week can figure out something X's and O's wise to really challenge San Francisco's ground game and challenge the George Kittle matchup. You know, the word out of Minnesota is the the Vikings are going to do everything they can to make Jimmy Garoppolo be the guy that wins the game, not George Kittle, right. not that three-headed monster in the backfield the way they can run it and control the ball and control the clock and all that kind of stuff. And Mike Zimmer certainly has the personnel to do it as well. You just wonder because we've seen how creative Kyle Shanahan right. can be. And, you know, with the, with the 49ers now having a week off, whereas the Vikings sort of gave themselves the week off in Week 17 previously, the 49ers have had the week off. We'll see how creative they get and what counters they have for Mike Zimmer. This uh, um this this matchup could be could be just be really really interesting start to finish. I
1: yeah. still don't like the idea of challenging Jimmy Garoppolo to beat you. Arizona did it twice in the span of three weeks, and he did it both times.
0: But what choice do you have in a sense? Though you don't. I mean, but at the
1: same time, it's like this secondary. This is this is a huge moment for them. Yeah. Uh, and, and not only just because of you know if you want to put this on Garoppolo. It's also what do you do in the moments where Delvin Cook does get out of the backfield and right, he does get right. to the second level. It's a great matchup, and it is. You're right. I mean, you have it's a pick-your-poison thing with this offense, no question about it. But Jimmy Garoppolo, I think if we've learned anything about him in 2019, when it needs to be on his shoulders, he's now ready to be that guy. And he has some great weapons to do it with George Kittle being the, at the front of that line. It's gonna be a good game. Seeing yeah. how Zimmer attacks them defensively, it's gonna be really fun to watch. Well,
0: the one, the one thing, the one thing I liked from what I heard is, I don't know if you saw the Mike Zimmer's post game yeah. speech in the Noir. I thought, I thought for him right away to say to his guys, "Hey, remember a couple years ago we won a big dramatic game, which was against the Saints, the yeah. Minneapolis Miracle." He said, "The next week we." went out and played like garbage, basically, yeah. against Philadelphia in the NFC Championship. He was reminding his guys right away, hey, let's not let that happen again. And that that team is pretty, other than the quarterback, obviously, that team is, is uh, in a lot of ways, the same team. And uh, Mike Zimmer's going to have his guys ready. And
1: for as much as people want to dog on the NFC North, man, once again, here we are in the NFC Divisional Round. You have two teams from that division competing here to get to the title game. Yeah. It's not a bad division.
0: Yeah, not at all. Well, we've gone a little bit over time today, but it's the playoffs, so why not, right? With that, we will call it a wrap on this edition and this week of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and everything from Sunday night's big game from Lambeau Field. It'll all be there on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and all kinds of great video content is out there on the Packers YouTube channel. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time.